This is the Dramatic Comedy Podcast. This podcast discusses anything from drama to comedy. Because in life, there's really only two emotions. You're either crying or you're laughing. This podcast is to help you to learn how to turn your drama into comedy. Whether you're going through a dramatic moment and you just need to listen to a good conversation, or whether someone on this podcast might have something to share sometime where they were able to laugh at a dramatic moment they were going through in this life. And that's what the Dramatic Comedy Podcast is all about. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Dramatic Comedy Podcast. Uh, For everyone who listened to the first episode, I thank you and thank you for tuning in again. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, it's probably because you know my guest today and he told you that this was going to be happening. Uh, My guest today, his name is Bailey Carter, but I'll introduce Bailey in a moment. Uh, Again, Sincere thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode with my conversation with Austin. Austin's a good man. He'll be on this podcast more than once. And um, looking forward to a few of the guests we have coming up to discuss different aspects of life. But before we get into today's guest, I just wanted to plug a few comedy shows coming up in the St. George, Utah area here in southern Utah on Thursday, January 30th. There is a stand-up comedy show at the Electric Theater at 7 p.m. Uh, comedians will include Valerie DeRoe. She's going to be the host. She's produced this whole show. She puts on great shows. Uh, a very funny local comedian, Shane Williams. I've worked with Shane a number of times. Very funny man and only getting funnier. Myself, I'll be on that uh, ticket as well. Opening for the headliner, Mr. Vargas Mason from Comedy Central, and he's been on NBC, no big deal. That's Thursday night, January 30th, 7 p.m. Tickets are available on Eventbrite, uh, and that's coming up. They're going to do a special ribbon cutting before the show at 6 p.m. for when the doors open. And then the very next night, on Friday, January 31st, at the Bloomington Hills Country Club, that's in Bloomington, also here in St. George, you have... Another comedy show being put on by the great Ed Tracy. You might know Ed from local radio stations in St. George, but he's also done comedy across the country. He's a great comedy host, and he is bringing into town one Mr. Jordan Macon from the Dry Bar Comedy Tour. You may recognize Jordan Macon from the Dry Bar Comedy or YouTube or the other two times he's performed here. In St. George, Utah. He was here once a year ago in March at the Bloomington Hills Country Club. And then again later on, it was either in May or June, he performed at the Electric Theater part of the Dry Bar Comedy Tour. And he's coming back the third time in less than 12 months to the Bloomington Hills Country Club. Go see Jordan Macon. Every cent you pay will be worth it to see Jordan. I, I know Jordan to an extent. He's a great comedian, great guy, funny, funny man. Go see... Jordan Macon at the Bloomington Hills Country Club on Friday, January 31st at 7 p.m. Limited tickets still available for that show. So today on the podcast, here on the second official episode of the Dramatic Comedy Podcast, I sat down and talked with Bailey Carter. 
This conversation was actually recorded a few months ago, also part of another podcast that I did, but I wanted to repost it. Bailey is a phenomenal singer. He's a great performer. He's been in a few musicals, but mostly he's just a great performer. You've probably seen him sing around town without even knowing it was him. He's sung at the Dickens Festival. He sings sometimes at Even Stevens. He's around Dixie State College a lot. Bailey and I sat down and just kind of talked about performing, myself as a stand-up comedian, him as a singer, and we talk about uh, different experiences we have performing, but it's also touched on how certain dramatic and, and, and painful moments in his life has helped his performance now, and then even when he messes up on stage, how laughing helps him keep control of his performance and keeps the crowd engaged, keeps the crowd relaxed, it keeps him relaxed. And, and we discuss some of the anxieties and stuff and, and how we've turned that into one of these uh, rare passions that you find in people. Bailey loves to sing and perform. I love to do my stand-up comedy. And we talk about some of the differences, but also the parallels of the experiences that the two of us have had in performing in our perspective art form. So, um, Bailey's the winner of the uh, prestigious Dixie's Got Talent competition that they hold here every year he won a few years ago uh he's been getting some amazing training in his vocal lessons and then getting some really good connections and the 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 future road ahead for bailey looks quite bright he's on his way to to doing good things in this world so uh without further ado i hope you enjoy this conversation i have with the wonderful mr bailey carter What was the music camp you were in? Um, so it's called Vocalize You. Okay. And it's like this huge, like they have each year and then they have three people that are in charge of it. And they work with people like, they worked with Tupac back in the day. They worked with like Christina really? Aguilera and everybody. And they, they represent all these people. And this was no small deal. No, it was about three grand <laughs> to <Did> go to. <laughs> Worth every penny, I think. It is. Right? Oh my gosh. Was it? I actually made some huge connections and I might... The next few years, move over there and pursue like background vocals for now. That'd be sweet though. Because I met a guy that was in. He was in the uh, My Heart Will Go On uh-huh. from you know, Celine. Yeah, Celine. He was like he did the high harmony. Oh, did he? Yeah, he can like switch his falsetto. And then he was also in I Want to Dance with Somebody. He's the one that did the dance. That's oh, his man. voice. That's his voice. So then, and he actually we got to sing it with him on, and he was playing. Yeah. Was there a lot of people there? There was about. 80. Not a ton of people know so, about it. But. Well, that's ba- like, sometimes you go to like these big camps or something, and there's like so many hundreds of people that you're there almost just taking notes. But like, if there's only 80 people there, that's going to be way more personal. Oh, it's so good. And everybody was so humble. Like, everybody that I would have thought would be like, you know, you're, we were in on top in a, at a university, private mm-hmm. university, on top of a mountain in like Beverly Hills. Really? So I was thinking, like, we get up there and I'd, they'd be like, okay, you guys know, you know your place, know our place. But literally, Everybody, even to the top, was all about like the love and everything, and that's they were just about artist development, and that's why they do it. That's freaking awesome! Like that's the coolest thing I've ever been to. Is that the first like singing lesson or camp you've ever been to? Or no? I went to like, a, or like, did you go to like basic ones? The non like I would say a non like ghetto ish one, like professional, first yeah, professional okay. one. Like I went to one that here in like St. George, but it was by like a. Uh, private little look at company that's here. Okay. But it was mainly like learning 
like little dances and songs and stuff like that. But, so, uh, were you ever in plays or anything? In like high school, yeah. Were you? What were you in? I was in. So I was see. Okay. So like my first one, it was just <clears throat> kind of like a for fun thing in like ninth and tenth grade, and it was uh, with Princess. The oh my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> Third, twelve dancing princesses. Okay. And I played like this dude. His name is Marvin von Kindergarten. Okay. And he's this. Every every one of the princes and princesses has like an emotion, or like one emotion that they just portray the entire time. Okay. And I was like the happy one with another girl, <laughs> and then then I was in Tarzan when I first got here. That's when I first started getting into it, and I did Tarzan. I played uh, Jane's dad, the Professor Porter. Though. Where'd you do that down here? Oh, at Dixie High. Okay. And then I after that I did Children of Eden, which I played Noah. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. I never have. That one's good. And then I did Mary Poppins for my last one. I was Mr. Binks. Were you really? I was. Oh, it was that the was coolest. Fun. Oh. That's like an iconic role. It was so, it was so hard for me, too. Was just it? as like, yeah. But like, just between like you and me, too, this one's like, I had like a lot of stepdads in the past that have been like very abusive so i knew like how to like be rude and mean on stage <laughs> so you could like dig into a deep place so i was like every time i'd go on yeah there was a yelling scene i'd always have to get into it and i'd yeah okay. but that one was awesome and we got to work with people like professionals there was four the top four parts the mary poppins mrs banks bert and mr banks yeah wow we got he Mr. Sexton, our teacher, brought in his past students, and they like, two of them have gone on to be Broadway, like Alphaba, and um, Rance was in. He lives in New York. He's a, a vocal coach in New York right now. Jeez. And the so, other two are that's like no Andy. small feat. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Um, when did you start like singing, or have you always just liked it? Um, I think that I started singing when I was about. I've always liked music. I'm not going to say I, yeah. I started singing maybe in like eighth grade. Okay. But I always thought in that time in your life where I would, like grew up, everybody was like all like, like, no, that's for sissies. Like, no, I would never do that. Yeah. You know, and then, but then I found it because I had to take an art credit. Uh-huh. And then I met the most amazing people Did you? there. And I just fell yeah, in love I had to take an art credit in high school. So I like sing choir and stuff, but I never had to like perform in the concert choir. I showed up enough to get the grade and like that was it. Like, there's two types of people. There's people who will sing and like to sing and perform, and then there's people like me who sing in the car alone when there's no one for miles. And so it's like, <laughs> I love music, and I I go to music a lot for a lot of emotions. I have certain things I go to, but, like, to do what you do and get up and sing in front of people or, like, be in a play is lost on me how you guys have the balls to do that. It's honest. I don't know. It, it freaks me out every time I get out there. But then, like the energy of the audience, uh-huh. just is like it slaps me in the face, and I'm just like, I'm the best. And then Let's you're like, then you're in. Then you're in the moment. Well, it's like so when I go on stage to do comedy, it's the same thing. Like I can't eat two hours before I go on stage because my nerves are just they will liquefy anything that I eat. It's awful. <laughs> but like the second I go on stage and I get that first sentence out, or if I get that first whatever. That big laugh of the crowd, then it's like, okay, I'm in charge of this whole room. No, like, oh, yeah. this is my stage for the next 12 minutes, and no one stands a chance. Yeah, but that. there's other times where you can't, like, at least in my, with what I do, and I don't know if it's like this was seen, if you're kind of lost in the moment, or uh, the crowd's, like, not as engaged, 
And then it's like the worst 10 minutes ever because I struggle to like not care. There's some people who can get up and be like, I don't care if the crowd's quiet. I'm just going to go have fun. That's not me yet. I'd like to get to that point, but yeah. I'm so. a little bit on that one. This is going to sound really cocky, but it's not. Good. It's just a literal fact that every time I get on, I don't, I just, I don't know. I feel like I was given a very good gift from like. You were. When I was born. So like whenever I'd go up to sing anywhere, no matter how like nervous I was, like when I started singing, everybody either goes like really quiet because they were talking or they start like, they start like cheering. So it, I, yeah. I've never had that moment where they've been like quiet because of like being awkward and I just become this whole other person. Well, that's like, you know, that's how powerful music is though. It's like, you could just be at a restaurant and there could be someone with a guitar or something. If they're playing good enough, then people will stop and listen no matter what. Like that's, with comedy, you almost have to win them over, and you have about forty-five seconds to do it. You do what you do is so much. I applaud you, like as See, well, because I have stuff I just have to memorize. Yeah. You like yes, like a little bit, but sometimes <laughs> you like just on the spot. You're just like, oh, there yeah, you go. There's you have to react there. if someone says something to you or something like. But like, see, to me, it's different. So there's an old stigma that you're either born a comedian or you're not. So I don't want to say I am. I've never been scared of public speaking, like speaking in church or whatever, or giving a speech. Like I took public speaking in college and I was fine. Speaking in front of a crowd, like the bigger the crowd, the more relaxed I am. If I'm talking to like four people, I'm more uncomfortable. I'm more uncomfortable talking to you one-on-one -on -one than I am a room full of 90 strangers. And I know you, I've known you for two years. Yeah. So there's something not quite wired right up here. <laughs> I Actually, I agree with that. Auditions suck unless they're in front of a huge crowd. Like, Drixie's yeah. Got Talent when I did that. Uh -huh. I, I uh, actually, like, won in 2017. I don't know if you knew that. No, yeah, okay. no. But, like, <laughs> but they, uh, we, but we auditioned for, for, like, four people the first uh -huh. time. And then the second audition was an open, everybody watches. I did the second one so much better. Yeah. And I just, it's just so, because you feel like you have to look at them. But you can portray to the audience everything. But on the last one, it's like 1,200 people in the auditorium, it right? It was full that night. I bet that's amazing. Yeah. Well, because I'm an, I'm an empath as well, so I feel like others' emotions like a lot okay. of time. Or they're, they're really in tune, I guess. I don't feel they're exact. But I'm really in tune with others' emotions. Okay. And I like, have like trained myself to like yeah. feel it. So when I'm out there and they're all there just to see a good show, they're yeah. not there to critic or anything, then it's all like 1,200 people just, whoa. Yeah. Like, and I was like... <laughs> okay so as soon as you walked on stage you're like this is mine yeah and I to the end I was still surprised I wanted to be honest because there's so many good people oh, yeah. well and I've never been like so I auditioned for it last year with comedy yeah. and there was like six judges and I don't even know if the mic was on, but it was that like in the cafeteria or whatever they'd set up like six chairs behind the table and there's like five people on the back wall behind me and then like six judges who are trained not to show emotion because I don't think they want to give false hope to someone who thinks they should like. So I'm telling jokes to six people who are trained to look at you straight-faced. And I knew like four seconds and I'm like, this, I'm screwed. Like, there's no way. It's not so, it, well, it's, it, oh it is goodness. though because like... They gave me the 90 seconds or the two minutes or whatever. It's up to me to not care about that moment. Yeah. So maybe sometime down the line I'll re-audition. But, like, I watched the other four people who were all singers, and I would have put all four of them in front of me because they all – they could perform in that moment and they didn't care. I didn't have the mental stigma to just be like, I can't tell jokes to six people at 8 in the morning. 
Like, <laughs> they weren't even like giving a chance. No, like I was just kind of like I walked out of there. We had to fly to Virginia that day. Like I made sure I was the very first audition to go because we were f- driving to Vegas and flying to Virginia that day. And I like the rest of the drive. I was just like, there's not a chance. And before we landed in Virginia, I had an email saying thanks, but you didn't make it to the next round. And I wasn't surprised, but yeah. moments like that actually make me more motivated and stronger for the next performance that I have. Mm-hmm. So that was November 17th or whatever last year. The next time I got on stage was December 22nd. Mm-hmm. And I was on, like, I went on that, I got on stage without any fear. Like, I knew I had it, like, just the anger and the disappointment from there was just ready to flood out into whatever. And that night destroyed. And so, I don't know. As bad as a sucky performance is, that's how good I feel like the next performance would be. Oh, yeah. But I tried out two times, actually, as well. Did you? I did the first time I got, I got two, like, the callbacks. But then when I got to callbacks, I was, like, I was, I was literally so scared. I don't know what okay. I was. I was in the middle of, like, a mental health, you know, that right. time in my life. But, like, it was so weird. I was just, like, that was such a weird performance. It was not <laughs> fun, but I was, like, I just didn't do, I literally just stood there and, like, okay. shook while I was singing. So then I think they were, like, too nervous to give it to me because they were, like, he sounds good, but he's, like, yeah. I was, like, hey, you know, but. It sucks that so audiences can see truth better than we can feel it. Like, honestly, like, they know what you're feeling before you really do. Like, so if you're having fun on stage, it's fine. But if you're shaking like that, they know you're miserable inside. And, it's, and it makes them too. uncomfortable, too. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know. Can you try out again, or once you've won, that's it? No, so you can get you can get second place okay. and then try out two years later, but first you're just good yeah. forever. But What was the grand prize? So mine was 500 and a chance to perform at the... Um, scholarship opportunity that year for the needs-based scholarship. I got to perform at that, um, the 500, and then just, like, publicity and all that. And then they're, they, like, put me in, like, the for the rest of, like, Dixie's Got Talent. Then just they're going to, like, put past winners and, like, certain things. And, and other performances that year, like, some of, a lot of them actually didn't get to happen that year because a lot of things got canceled. But, um, like, they what they do now is <laughs> the year after me. Like, I don't blame them for this. They didn't have it. But the year after me, 2018, they started sending them to America's Got Talent. And they prayed for the entire thing, and I was like... Oh, are you kidding me? It was so sad. I was like, whoa. (laughs) But that's okay. I have no hard feelings toward it now, but I was like, that would have been so sick. So when you auditioned for The Voice a few months ago, how intense is that audition? That one? Because I followed it on Instagram. I was kind of following you throughout the day on Instagram, because I've always been curious, because on TV you only see... You after people get to a certain point, but I don't know how many people you had to sing in front of, like if there's people watching you audition, like how does that all work? Yeah, so we started off the day, we started off the day and we had to get there like five in the morning. So you drove basically like from here straight to the audition, didn't you? No, no, it was okay. it was the night before, luckily. Okay. That's good. Oh my gosh, I would have died. No, it was, <laughs> it was a 12 hour drive um, from here to, because we got lost. My bad. But Google Maps, actually. Yeah. But actually, no, Apple Maps. Google, well, but those maps aren't as great as everyone says. No, anyway. we were going through, like, all these, like, mountains. And if you turn one turn, it takes you from either, instead of this way, it'll take you around and go back. Yeah. So we were going back, and I was like, why does it keep going two, like, two hours and 20 minutes? Two hours and 21 minutes, you know? But then we got there, and we slept there that night. And then we went to this really good ramen place that was so good. 
Um, but yes, sorry, that, that reminded me of that. And then the next day, though, we, we lined up at 5 in the morning. Oh, jeez. And there was at least, we got there at 5, and there was at least, like, 60 people in line already. So we were, like, standing in there, and then you just kind of talk to people until, like, 8 o'clock. So you're in line for, like, three hours. You are. Oh, jeez. And you're trying not to talk, but there's, like, some people that are, like, showing off their voices up to, like, strike fear, you know. I would have a middle finger to them so quick. <laughs> I'm like, dudes, don't audition to me. I don't care how good you are. Yeah, it was intense. Yeah. A lot of people did get pissed. Like, behind me, they were just, like, they were just, like, freaking. Like, yeah. So then... But it was cool to see we we like met some people and then we went in and basically you like go and you turn in your paper and then they give you like a wristband and you kind of you kind of feel like you're one you feel like you're like instead of one in a million you feel like you're a million in a million <laughs> like the entire time up until like the audition but then it also is like okay there's this many people I gotta get my game face on because uh-huh. of this, you know, and which I think they like to do because they like to see you confident when you get in there. Like mm. that's basically a story you tell when you get in there. Yeah. So I was feeling pretty stoked. I felt pretty good in like little suit that I have, and I had a fun little story you know I was gonna share like like right. I'm supposed to. And so I got in there, and we got in this big room, and then they said like, okay, lines one through twelve start lining up, and then they went to the rooms, and then I was in like. 30, line 30. So it was like 1, 1 through 12, 12 through 24, 24 through 36. And I was like, okay. So we line up, and then we line up again. And then we line up one more time. <laughs> oh, jeez. And then we go into a room. So then it goes from like goes from like 12 in a line to like 8 in a line. Yeah. And they split you up into two others, and they mix and mingle because you guys probably already known each other. They want it to be kind of oh, confusing. Yeah. So then we went in there, and... There was like seats that were like a triangle. So like, so you're the guy. Mm-hmm. Here is twelve people just like sitting like this, and then I would stand like right here, and then you just sing for them. You have acapella. You have a minute thirty, mm-hmm. I think, or maybe a minute that one, and you just wow, sing your heart out. And Whatever happens, happens. Yep. And then she looks at you like mine was a girl, and she looked at him, mm-hmm. and she just stopped for a second, and then she like tapped a little on her keyboard, and she looked up. She said, "Okay, so." Number six and number twelve. You guys are staying. The rest of you, I, wow. You guys are good just to like go. that. Yeah, that fast. Uh, well, and good then, for you for having uh, the patience to wait in the line because the nerves alone, I would have been like, I can't do this. Yeah, like, it was, was cool because I was with the guy who yeah. did it before, and yeah. he got to the second round. I think there's three rounds, and then the judges. In the second round, you have to have at least eight songs ready in like two days. Yeah. Um, to sing for them, and then the third round after that is like when they interview you and ask you for like the story and stuff and then that next round is the joke. So going off of like the people who are trying to show off their voice in line so in Salt Lake when I was first starting out you go to the open mics the open mics in Salt Lake they're almost one every night but the big one's on Wednesday night in at Wise Guys downtown and the show wouldn't start till 7.30 but I would get there at 5.30 and I'd still be like the fifth one in line because the line to get up they only take like the first 30 sign ups because you get three minutes on stage, plus they need room for any of the, like the actual comics who have actually cut their teeth in the business to just drop in, and they can do however long they want, basically. Mm. But while you're in line waiting, you had people who were trying to show off how funny they are by like just almost making fun of the other comics or whatever. Like, And I kind of fell into that trap of feeling, like, okay, I have to match these guys, and so... And then anytime I would kind of run my mouth off or feel cocky, I would do horrible because I just, 
when you do that, you get all these comedians who, comedians like, <laughs> we don't always cheer for the success of other comedians. <laughs> We're like, okay, I hope you do just bad enough for me to look awesome. It's kind of, I've gotten past that. Like, if I'm going up after someone, I want them to be as funny as possible. Like, I, I, I generally have a good art. There's still a few people are. I'm like, I hope you bomb hard. So like, by acting like a douche, by the time I got up there, open mics are generally like 30 comedians and maybe like 10 to 20 civilians. And so you're trying to play to a bunch of room of people who already don't like you because they're in competition for you. And so I kind of fell into this like hole of trying to be cocky and I kind of lost sense of myself and what I was trying to do. And so when I moved down here to St. George, there wasn't any, like, comedy scene. It was easy to kind of get away from that because I stopped doing stand-up completely for a year and a half almost until I started doing it at Even Stevens. And then I jumped back into it. And I saw your grandma do it. Just this little old lady go up and tell her short jokes, and it was hilarious. And after that, I was like, okay, I don't want to do anything but love people who are willing to do this in a town that doesn't have comedy. And after that, I started just wanting people to do better. That's and I cool. stopped. I so, like, when you came to my show a few months ago, I don't know if you noticed, like, I was kind of in and out of the room a lot. I don't like talking to anyone before I go on stage. Like, I, I have a process where I have a mix that I listen to for, like, an hour before, and I'm walking around just kind of getting in the right zone, and then I don't want to talk to a single soul before I go up. It's not always possible, but, like, mm-hmm. I have this process I've developed, so by the time I do go on stage, it's almost like I'm in this meditated state where I know exactly almost word for word what I'm going to do and I have backups in case it goes awry so that actually makes sense because that we actually got taught so like with the VU they the main thing was they had four they had 12 master classes and you can choose four out of the actually there was like 16 out of the master classes you could choose four yeah. with what they're most attuned to you and the one that I I like the most besides background vocals but <laughs> is the it was called ignite and it was the mental side of performance okay and that makes so much sense because one day we just planned out like what do you do two days one day um mm-hmm. 12 hours six hours four hours two hours one hour one minute one second you know like yeah. before so it makes sense that you do that because your mind is so used to that that it's like oh it is it's performance mode yeah, so, so like I, so much sense. I have a mix on my Spotify that's called No Motivation for Logic, or No Logic for This Motivation, because it's just a mix of the most random songs, but for some reason, those songs put me in almost like in a comical state of mind, and like Kristen, if I have a show that starts at 7.30, she knows I'm getting to the show at 5.30, and I'll sit in the lobby and just zone everything out, and then I'll walk around the building like three times, like it's almost... Um, not repetitive, what's the word? It's almost like this anal retentive thing that I have to do before every time. And I was like that at Even Stevens too. Like it's just this psychological thing that I have to do. And if I can't do it, it's not going to go well. So you have like songs or anything you listen to get you motivated or like practice songs? Oh my gosh. that. Um, or does it depend on your mood? It Yeah, it just depends okay. on the mood. That one I, Wow. My, my favorite song that gets me like super pumped is the one I sing most and I'm wanting to get into like other genres now right. but like Feeling Good by Michael Buble really? I just love that song there so much there you go but like basically any song that is like very 
not theater, but theatrical. Uh-huh. Okay. Like, just songs that are, like, really big. And, like, the, the singer's just, like, going ham. Like, Josh Groban does. And, uh-huh. like, there's a song called California Dreamin' by Sia, and she just goes crazy. Yeah. And I listen to it full blast before because it gets me all pumped. Yeah. But then I actually can't, like, listen to music before. Like, I have to... Like I, I'm the opposite of you, actually. I like I need to talk to people before yeah. I get, and get pumped. And yeah. I say like positive affirmations and everything before I go on. And I'm always like, and I always say it with somebody too. Like we both look at a phone. Okay. And that's what I did a lot. I was actually like the motivation master of freaking the show because I'd be backstage background the entire time, you know. Yeah. Because we were in almost every song, but so then I would help the people that are there like say affirmations, and they would get on and helped a lot of them. So, so. Kristen actually taught me about affirmations when we first started talking like i i never really paid much attention to them and then i'll go into a private bathroom somewhere and i have my own affirmations that i do in the mirror and then like the stretches and then like this prayer like this like just have like a prayer and i have to like kind of sit in this mode of just silence and then there's this moment where it's like i'm ready and once i'm in that spot i'm good to go and i Usually, if the show's starting at 7.30, at 7.15, I'm in a private bathroom somewhere just kind of doing that process. And then there's that click moment. It's like, all right, I own this. Let's do it. But it takes those affirmations to kind of get going. Like, it's those are powerful. Yeah, those. that's what's helped me attend. Affirmations has probably been my favorite thing. Like, that's what helped me lose weight. That's yeah. what helped me be confident. And this but just helped me attend. You are, like, way more confident than when I first met you. Yeah. You were, like, this... You came off kind of timid at first, and then, like, gradually you just kept getting more confident. Now I'm like, there's Bailey. I need to, like, work up my confidence to talk to him. Oh, my goodness. So it's, like, it's, it's been cool it's been, to watch. So It's been, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. So, uh, like, when you were in Mary Poppins, that's one thing you brought up that I wanted to talk yes. about. Like, you took, like, your own experiences and were able to kind of take the emotion at and put it in. Do you do that with a lot of your performances ever? Like, are you able to take... Good or bad of past experiences and incorporate them into what you do? Yes. It used to be... So I, I've always done that, but it used to be a lot worse uh-huh. when well, I didn't it, have a good feel of myself. Well, it can be a dangerous road. Oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. Going down painful memories can be powerful, but there's like a way to do it where it doesn't put you back in that same state of mind. Yeah. So I just... I was curious about that. Yeah, it's it's intense, but now it's like a lot easier because like I actually am just getting done with my first song, my first original song. I'm, that I'm you wrote? writing it right now. Good. Yeah, and it's, I'm like two lines away, just trying to get the perfect to yeah. me. And then I've been working with my friend Jake Parkinson and his wife, um, Caitlin Parkinson, and they they've been helping me play the guitar. And yeah, it's a duet. It's called Safe. Cool. It's gonna come out hopefully in the next. Seem recorded after, but have you performed it in mm. front of anyone yet? Besides those two, no. Okay. I've seen. Well, I've shown a few people. Yeah. Um, That's but cool. like, just show them the lyrics and explain the song a little bit. But it's basically, yeah, just okay. I I always do that kind of stuff. Though. Do you find that like it's kind of healing to get that out then in song? Is, is yeah. That sense? Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. At first, it's I'm actually try, I'm actually have like three or four more ideas. I'm trying to come out with an album, right. but it's it's I'm very much a perfectionist when it comes to music like when i hear people it's hard for me i feel like i'd be a very good judge like okay i feel like i'd be a good judge listening but sharing what i what i think is a lot harder for me but i feel like i've i've I've, i think my grandma does a good really well too but i can like hear and i'm a very like strong critic of voices Uh so 
I like to share what's like good, but I'm not enough knowledge. I don't have enough knowledge in music theory yet okay. to say how to help the not so good. Does that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. Yeah. So, like from from the comedy standpoint, I'm very much a perfectionist in how every joke is worded and timed, and so uh, if I stutter through a thing, it might still get a laugh, but in my mind, like it would have laughed a lot harder had I not stuttered. Um, but when I watch another comedian go on, if I know the person, I'm very critical on, okay, are they trying to be a different comedian? Are they trying to go on and be Dave Chappelle or Brian Regan? Are they trying to be that person or are they coming out of, are they, have they found a way to be themselves yet? That's still something I'm working on, but for some reason I find myself being able to kind of look at someone and be like, okay, are they just telling hack jokes, trying to tell jokes or telling jokes, or is this something coming from inside of them that they have found a way to put their voice on what they're saying? Because there's only so many topics that everyone's been able to joke about. What makes it unique is what you can do. Just like millions of people have played the role of of the dad in Mary Poppins, but you were able to bring your own personal experiences, put your own spin on it, which was what makes it special to you. So that's something that I look for, not just in comedy, but all performances. If I go see Willy Wonka, I don't want to see someone trying to be Johnny Depp or the other guy who did the original one. I want to see someone's own spin on it. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the fact that you said you brought that in, like I love seeing that. So what you said about judging people, and you, it's almost like looking at an x-ray. For like, if you see someone singing a song you don't see what, like, the rest of us see. You're looking at, I don't know, technique or voice or emotion coming out of it. When I see someone tell a joke on stage, I don't see, like, the joke. I kind of see the structure of it and how they're performing, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it helps um, helps a lot on, like, emotion, too. Like, I believe that if you're not into the song emotionally, like, yes, it can be incredible, but, like, there's something about, like, if if you think of Adele... Who never moves yeah. in like almost any of her performances? Yeah, yeah, it's some of the most amazing shows you've ever been in. Uh-huh. Like, it's a, in order to do that, or it just depends on like who they are. But just somebody that is singing songs like Adele's, how she's into it that much, you can tell that she's just so. That's why I like to sing, listen to songs that are so big. Yeah, it's like blown the heck away. But it's hard when, when I'm like when I'm I'm like watching somebody, and they are like struggling like a little bit with something, and even to like because there's. Because the nerves do get to you, uh-huh. and you lose that emotion because you're into your own head. Yeah. So it's just hard to see because sometimes I'm like, if they felt the emotion, um, which is a lot harder than it is sometimes, then I feel like I know that it would help. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because then you would be like, oh, I'm singing this to portray this emotion or to this connect with something. others. Yeah. Instead of it being like, oh, uh, pa- yeah. Patricia is looking at me and she uh. just has this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know where Patricia came up. But yeah. So when you're, well, okay, so do you know who Norm MacDonald is? Uh, oh, he used to be he like the news update guy on Saturday Night Live. Uh, he's, he's a stand-up, but he's also, he has his own Netflix special or his Netflix show. You'd probably recognize him if you saw him or if you heard his voice. Um, oh. Did you see Dr. Doolittle with Eddie Murphy? Yes. He's the voice of the dog that calls him a bonehead a lot. Like, that he almost sits oh, with the car. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so okay. you recognize the voice. Okay, the voice, yeah. He has never once taken the mic out of the stand when telling jokes. He's too nervous. His hands stay in his pockets, but it works for him because that's him. He's just himself. He can keep his hands in his pockets and just kind of, he just, that works for him. 
other comedians, it has to be a spectacle. The mic's out. They're using the mic as like a tool. Like, but he's him, which is what I see with Adele. She doesn't necessarily take the mic out. She can just stand and she can just be her in one spot and it touches everyone because of how much power she has behind what she's singing and how she does it. Mm. So it's... I, ju- I like to see people who are genuine, like the best part of them comes out during a performance. Yeah, and you can tell who's like comfortable with their own voice too because yeah. another huge thing is just people finding their own voice. Like I, it took me, it took me so, well not even my own voice but my own performance because uh-huh. I've always thought I was an awkward dancer. Like when I was a lot more heavy, it was harder to move. Yeah. But now I'm getting a lot better moving but I've always been like, I look like an idiot, you know, on stage all the time. And I would tell myself that. But now, at the Vocalize You, it was the first time I've ever, ever, ever felt that confident. And I was just going ham. I don't care what I was doing yeah. with my arms. I was, like, being Bailey. And and um, I thought it was really cool because I'm, I'm just finding more things that that help my performances. Mm-hmm. And, like, I like to make people laugh while I perform. Like, I've learned some how to do some voices, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's... So, so it's just fun to get to know yourself. Confidence is incredible. And the more you can be yourself, the easier it is to be confident. But it's learning how to be yourself and, like, portray this. I don't care what you guys think. Like, I'm awesome and I'm going to show you. Like, I don't know. There's a guy I was listening to talking about how when he goes on stage, no matter what the audience's reaction, he pretends like he knew that that was going to happen. And I don't know how he does it, but he's like, there's jokes I've told that I thought would get a big laugh and they don't. But I stare at them in the face and I start laughing because I want them to think that that's what I wanted them to do. And I'm like, how do you BS your that much confidence out of that? Because if I tell a joke and it goes silent, it's like a hiccup for me. I'm like, ah, okay. And then you just have to keep going. So are you like, does the spotlight ever throw you off when you're on stage? No, it makes me feel like a bad A, to be honest. Does it really? <laughs> it makes me feel, well, because like, I, can, I can, it helps when I can't see the audience looking at yes. me. When I can feel slash hear slash maybe see like some people yeah. or if somebody's wearing a bright shirt, if I can see that, then I know there's an audience. I know they're like looking at me, but okay. I don't have to like look at them. See, and I, I love a spotlight that blinds. I don't want to see like past the first row. But there's nights where, or you know, when you're performing and you can see every single person. I hate that, and at those moments, I don't actually look at a single person. I'm skimming, like, the top of their heads and looking at the back wall most of the time. No. Like, the show you came to, I don't know if you noticed, I actually never looked over towards you guys once the whole time I was on stage. I don't know if you no. noticed that. Were you towards the middle most of the time? I was mostly on the middle and kind of towards the back right. Oh. If I know people who are in the crowd, I tend to not look at them, and that's because of my own oh, discomfort. Yeah. That's what that's my own. But if I'm spotlighted and I'm blinded, I don't know where anyone is. Then it doesn't matter. Like I've said before, I'd rather perform in front of a hundred strangers than four of my best friends. Yeah. So that, that's just me. Yeah, so. that one. That that's a little bit like tough actually with music a little bit sometimes because yeah. if it's a song like feeling good uh-huh. or something that's like more of a not a selfish but like more of a song that's about me. Yeah. Or like I won't give up on you know like I won't uh-huh. give it you know but. If it's a song like Safe or like other songs that are very like geared towards another person, I do like having it in there because yeah. I imagine myself singing to one person. Yeah. So it'd be fun to see a few. But if it's feeling good, if it's just like, if it's just like, I'm feeling good, yeah. you know, to that birds flying, high, then it's. So I guess it just depends. Do you get the crowd like clapping along with any of your songs? I. Like, I've done. I haven't done a ton okay. of like cl- crowd like 
clapping songs, what? but I always like try to. What, yeah. What? No, go ahead. I was gonna say like I like to make it like they're at my house. Like I'm like okay. this is their like they're in my home. It's right a personal now. experience. Like, yeah. You want to make it. Yeah, like I kind of like to make people not feel uncomfortable, but I'm just like I was like okay, I see you back there. Yeah. I don't know, and I'm like singing to him, and I just like sometimes I, I go. Like if I remember it, like even Stevens, and I'm feeling really good. Yeah. Like I was in, I was in there only twice so far, but like, I just like go out and I like went to somebody and I like um, during the way you look tonight. I always bring a mom or like somebody up and yeah. dance with them on like one part of it. So I like to make them feel like they're at my home during the show, and I talk so much to like not so much, but I yeah. talk a lot. To That's people. a powerful thing though, like making it feel like a more personal, like a one-on-one. Like you're in a home, like. It's cool when people can get lost in a performance and realize, like, almost feel like they're not at a show, like they're in a moment. Like, that's what's, I don't know. That's one thing I kind of love about concerts or music. Like, I don't mind going to a park and seeing a guy playing his acoustic guitar fine. But, like, when you go to, like, a big theater or whatever and you watch a show, like, the music can sweep you away and distract from whatever crappy day you've had or whatever. Like, it's really cool. Comedy, it's funny though, I'm glad you brought, like, I'm glad that we're like, focusing on yeah. comedy and the aspect of music and comedy because, like, when I do, so I try to do something funny on some of my songs mm-hmm. and just laughter mm-hmm. in any, like, aspect, singing, talking, anything like that, there's just something about it. I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, it's that's, amazing. on most of the episodes I've recorded on here, I've talked about how powerful laughter can be because it can change a person's entire, like, perspective and outlook on a day or a moment like if you're laughing you're it's it's not possible to laugh when you're angry you know and it can flip for you in a heartbeat and so like I've always like I've touched on some painful or like um, embarrassing moments that I've had and always like if I can look back and find a way to laugh at it it kind of pokes holes at the pain and gives me the control back and that's I think been my draw with with stand-up or with comedy or whatever is everyone goes through hard crap like that's life some people it's harder for others but like anyone who's able to laugh at a certain situation it gives them the power back if you're able to laugh at something it's not always easy and sometimes it comes off as like it's a it's another fine line to toe because trying to laugh too much at something and not actually dealing with it is not good it backfires because pain is going to manifest itself one way or another it might be today it might be 10 years from now like when my mom died i didn't deal with it right away i was in this like denial phase she died when i was 16 and then one day i was driving home from work when i was 26 and all the emotion just came out anyway so it's best to deal with it but now i can look back and i think of some hilarious moments even when my mom was sick like she this is a horrible story that will upset some people but she used to ask the doctor if she could dress up in like a cocktail waitress, go around offering people chemo, like a cocktail waitress at a casino. Instead of chemo, she'd be like, chemo? Like that's the kind of crap that I can look back and be like, okay, that was a crappy time of life, but she was still hilarious. Like she's still – so like that takes pain out of the circumstance and think, okay, those are still funny memories. So that's something like – I. But music can do the same thing. If I'm having a bad day, I have a list of songs I go listen to. I'm sure a lot of people do. It's It can alter your mind completely. So I've wanted to interview on here for the parallels of music and comedy and the differences as well because 
We're both performers. We both have our thing. And it's different, but it's the same. Yeah, so. when you can even the best performances I've seen if people ever mess up, I love when they like can laugh, like laugh at you their own to. self. Like yeah. I did that a ton at like even Stevens because sometimes I like um, I'm like dancing a little bit, you know, just trying to be, you know, yeah. trying to be all <clears throat> cool and everything. And I like trip or something, and then I forget a line and I just start like laughing at myself. I'm literally like on the oh. gr- I'm like I'm like slapping my head and then I get back up and I just get all like serious again. But again, like and see <laughs> so that's amazing. Funny. That's hilarious because <laughs> and that again it gives you the power back over the crowd. Because if they see that you don't care, they can't judge you for it. They're going to be like, oh, this guy's awesome. He's going to have fun no matter what. Like, who doesn't want to hang out with someone who can laugh at themselves? Yeah. Like, if someone is so serious that they can't hang out with someone who wants to laugh at bad things or at a mistake, that's a miserable person. So I'm glad you can do that. So yeah. Cool, man. Well, anything else? Uh, thanks yeah. for having me today. I Come back anytime, it. man. There we go. <laughs> I actually had no idea I was recording. All right. What do you guys think of Bailey? I think he's a good human being. If you ever get a chance to see Bailey, go do it. He's a great singer, great performer. Follow him on Instagram or Facebook. It's Bailey Carter. Uh, really nice guy. Ever get a chance to, to meet him? He's very approachable. Wonderful man. He's had some wonderful uh, experiences, and he's had an amazing uh, turnaround from where his life could have gone to where he's ended up. Very impressed with Bailey. That is the episode for today. Thank you for tuning in. Tune in next week for next episode. Whenever that comes, it'll probably be next week or later this week, whenever. Um, When we have my buddy Eddie on, I'm going to put Eddie Dennis on the Dramatic Comedy Podcast. And uh, should have a fun conversation with him. Anyways, thanks for listening. Tune in to the episode three. Um, Yeah. Until next time, guys. Thanks.